BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Exhausted. <laughs> and I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Lord of the Macaroni Salad. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are to a Storm of Swords brand two. Why, what, what's going on? Why are you so exhausted, Matt? Wow, man. I just worked. I had to add it up. I just worked like 15 days in a row, and I have another stretch here. I, today's my one day off, and then I have another stretch of like eight days in a row. <laughs> so, But then I'm not picking up any extra shifts for pretty much the, re- the, the rest of the year. But I was kind of like, I was doing really good there, and then today is like my one day off, and I'm just like, God, I'm tired. I'm like, oh yeah, I did just work like 15 days in a row, so maybe that's you know. that'll that'll do it. Have you thought about maybe not working 15 days in a row? Mm. Might help. Like I told you, man. If you well, some of them weren't like full shifts, but I told you the way my job is structured, you can go in and you can like pick up shifts and maneuver it, you know, and mm-hmm. really mess around with the uh, clock. If you know how to work it, you can actually pick up like four hours here and six hours here and crank that into like double time and all that stuff. So. And for whatever reason today, I've had like two coffees and nope, just dragging today. But I'm not going to drag on this chapter because this is a good one. But Jimmy, macaroni salad, what are we doing, man? Bro, all right. So um, I love macaroni salad. It is my favorite side dish at Thanksgiving. And, and here in the States, we're, we're, we're gearing up. We're about a week away from the Super Bowl of eating. Um, you know, this is the grand slammy. This is as good as it gets. And Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Christmas is slowly creeping up on it though, as I get older. Um, but man, Thanksgiving is just a day where all bets are off. There's tons of different pies, but mm-hmm. when I see that macaroni salad bowl, me and my father-in-law compete for it. Like we, I... he eats it and I see him eating a bowl and I'm like, I'm not even hungry, but I need to eat more because I don't want him to eat it all. So like me and him are just sitting there gorging back and forth, but never, we never yeah. acknowledged that there's a feud over the macaroni salad but that, i am the lord so, of the macaroni. That, so that so that is your that is your go-to thanksgiving Bro. yes macaroni you know what i am not a macaroni salad guy you've never you've never had my wife they salad. that's what everyone anytime you ever Matt, like oh dude i don't like it everyone's like oh you've never had it like like that yeah it's it's noodles and mayonnaise like you can't go wrong <laughs> i know man but it's uh it's just i don't know what it is i just there's a 
a lot of heavy mayonnaise type dishes for some reason i find myself what do you want you know, a salad like egg salad i'm out i can't i don't like egg salad either what do you like uh, well, I'm Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm here. I'm here for the gravy, bro. I mean, I well, mean, I put that... gravy on my macaroni. I put gravy on my skin at Thanksgiving. Yeah, they brine the turkey. I brine myself. Actually, I no Thanksgiving for me. I go for the you know, I load up on. It's like why would I? Why would I spend time on things like macaroni salad? I'm here for stuffing, chicken, gravy. You know, you don't have to do the other things. You can just do it all and then regret it later. I know, but then then there's so many desserts. You got to save yourself for that because I'm having some pumpkin pie, guaranteed. Do you like your pumpkin pie room temperature or cold? Oh, that's a good question. The answer is cold. It, yeah, I mean, it's kind of good both ways, but I think it's have you, cold. Have you ever, is it possible to have warm? I don't think I've ever had like pumpkin pie warm, right? Like straight out of the oven? Yeah. I've had it. It's not very good. I, I, prefer, you're not supposed I like to it cold. I like it cold. I like good firm consistency with some cool you know who's you know who's really got a good one is costco costco's got a great pump costco's pie. got it going on dude they got vacations they apparently they have car loans now did you hear this and apartments what they're starting costco apartments in i think la where they're going to have like apartments above a costco and you can like if you stay there you get like a membership and you can like you know you like I don't know just, how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't either. They're, they're slowly taking over the world. Every, like, do they know. still sell groceries? Like, can you still get a rack of chicken at Costco? I, I get it every week. I get I get the rotisserie chicken. My God. It's five, it's five bucks. It's a hedge against inflation. <laughs> no, there is nothing better th against inflation than Costco's hot dog and Costco's chicken. Well, inflation is at its lowest level since September 2021. So we're trending in the right direction. Maybe, maybe uh, you know. Rotisserie will go down to four dollars. Who knows? Now I'm gonna look up here. Best Thanksgiving foods. What's the? Do you, I mean, do you eat yams? No, I don't like yams. No, yams, no. yams, not on your yams. list. Yeah, green bean casserole. I'm out. It what? Looks, what? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It looks it looks better than I think it tastes. You know, Man, I feel like you just eat plain bread. I do love some those sweet. Those like rolls. you were like, like, did anyone remember the Wonder Bread? <laughs> <laughs> and like you're just over there eating a loaf of bread on Thanksgiving. It's like he just likes it. We don't know. Yeah, that. but sometimes you get that like some of those like the corn. Like you can do like a casserole with the corn. Like that's pretty good. What do you do for Thanksgiving? Do you do, do you do something with Lady Teresa or do you go to her family? Yeah, we do. On Thanksgiving, we do dinner with her dad um, over over at his house, and it's always fun because uh, Leslie, her her mother in law, is like amazing cook so every time we go over there it's always like it's great i mean it's so good um and then we do like a big one they do like on their side of the family uh they do uh christmas and thanksgiving so it's and then it's always because he's like he's like one of seven you know or something like like seven brothers or siblings and so it's always like somebody hosts thanksgiving and somebody hosts christmas although he has like an enormous house so it's usually ends up being at Teresa's dad's house so for one for one of those two events so yeah we usually that's where we go nice so okay. i just go down i just go down the street it's it, you know it's not because it only looks like 10 minutes from me i don't have to i don't have to leave states for holidays lucky you lucky, lucky yeah you. Hmm. 
but you got to go all the way to West Virginia. Yeah, by God, West Virginia. I used to go How to like you- four or five places like on Thanksgiving Day, like no exaggeration. But like the thing is, as you get older, everyone starts dying. So like things just start falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> so now I just do two. I do my family and then I do my wife's family and, and then we call it we call it a day. Yeah. Now, do you now over there in West Virginia, do you guys like deep fry it or, you know, no, I mean, people do deep fry and burn down their house. I mean, that's pretty common everywhere, though. Uh, No, we do have pepperoni rolls, though, which is like a West Virginia thing. Southwest PA thing, Um, essentially homemade bread stuff with pepperoni and and possibly cheese if you really want to. Um, And I know it sounds simple, but I didn't know they weren't a thing other places until very recently, but they're they're very delicious. Yeah. Yeah, we always, uh, Teresa always makes something. I think she is making green bean casserole to take. That's because she understands time. good taste. And they also do, they uh, they do like an oyster stew mm, or out. something. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Out. Although that is like the most traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, if you if you really want to go back, I'll you know flex my uh, history degree since really all it's flexing is my uh, savings accounts in severe depression for the student loans I have to pay off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the first Thanksgiving was actually like deer and oysters. That's I do like eating some venison. I do like venison. That's what they ate. yeah. I can so, get down with that. Not so much the oysters though. I, I would leave that to the Kragman. I'm uh, not a big sea. Yeah, I'm not a big seafood guy. Hey, we are going to talk about some chronic men today. I can't know, do they eat alligators? I think they just eat leaves. <laughs> do they? I mean, what goes on in the swamps? They're eating pickled frogs and flossing with like. Stem. I'll tell you, pickled eggs can't do it. No, nah, I can't do gro- anything. That's pickled. the single. That's the single grossest. I don't do pickles. Period. I can't. I I, I like uh, bread and butter pickles because they're sweet. But that that's about it for me. Nope, no pickles. If I go to McDonald's and I order a sandwich or a burger, you know, and I say no pickles, and I get it, and there's pickles on it, I'm pulling back around. Yeah, I said no pickles. Wait, okay. you send it back? Absolutely. Oh my god. I can't do it, dude. It's gross. It this the, the food back at a fast food restaurant. It lingers. Do you want to eat feces? Like, <laughs> the, taste, the taste lingers. Okay. You don't have it. Lingers? Have it your way. <laughs> <laughs> have it your way. And my way is not with pickles. Okay? Well, that's only a BK. Well, ba da ba ba ba. I'm not loving it because there's because there's pickles. Okay. <laughs> Can't do it. All right. Send well, back. My God. No, I yes. <laughs> no, I just begrudgingly pull the pickle off. Okay. Well, God, stupid pickles. <laughs> Ruins it. When you oh, take a bite God. and you're like, oh, God, I'm starving. And then that pickle. Oh, oh, it's so gross. I mean, whenever I get super hungry, I start. I'll eat things that I don't like. Usually, like I'll start craving pickles. Yeah. I'm just like any kind of sustenance would, would work in this moment. Um, but I'm, I'm not super duper picky when it comes to eating. Um, pickles are like my least favorite food. I mean, hands down black I olives. Mean, yeah. Olives are up there too, but yeah. Yeah. Black olives are one of the very few things I can't do. And black olives on pizza. You can't pick them off. There's too many. I see. And you know, it's funny though. If someone has it, they have like a Supreme pizza. I'll just eat it. And the taste, it lingers. It does. It does. The aftertaste is what, what kills me. Yeah, it really does. George would be proud of us right now. Just talking about food and its nuances. Hey, food's going to come up today because there's a little there's a little there's a little segment on food that's very important. 
So today's a okay. today. Today is going to be a uh, today is actually a big up. It might be a big episode. We may split this into two because uh, Jimmy's on a little timer today. So we may and then next week's Thanksgiving. So we're just going to play it by ear here and uh, I think see what happens. I don't know. I don't think we can actually. I think I think this this might be a two parter. I'll tell you <laughs> which what. is fine. This episode might just be a whopper. It, I could go for a whopper. See what right I now. did there. Yeah. I tied it back. I tied it all back. There we go. I could go for a whopper. So, all right, here we go. So this is brand two, which is interesting because we were like last time we said, "Oh, Daenerys two. Oh, seems like we're not with Daenerys a lot. Well. We're haven't been with Bran for a while either. So and we just talked here, about Rhaegar in the last chapter. Rhaegar is literally in the last sentence. And uh lo and behold, Rhaegar is a pretty important piece of this chapter, even though the name isn't mentioned. Yeah, there's yeah. So let's let's dive in here. So hearing hearing north to the wall. I think that should be heading north to the wall. Uh that's the song of Ice of Fire Wiki. Okay, we just pull those straight from there. So that's what the summary says. So I believe it should be heading north to the wall. Bran and his companions slowly travel through the northern mountains. Bran tells his friends about the clans who live in the mountains and hills. To avoid freezing rain, the travelers shelter with a little, which this is something I actually had to look up and see what this was. And we'll dive into this. So it's, they sh basically shelter with a traveler who turns out to be somebody they believe to be from house little in a shallow cave, sharing his food with them. The man warns that squids are in the wolf's wood and that the bastard boys are hunting along the King, the King's road. The man indicates that the bastard of Bolton is offering gold for wolf skins and for word on the walking dead. And he know, and he looks knowingly at Bran and summer. The little also tells them about the old bear leading the night's watch into the haunted forest. The man leaves sausage and oat cakes and departs before they wake. Later, Mira tells the story of the night of the laughing tree during a year of the false spring. The story names no names, but the references are interesting because it this is one of the most interesting chapters uh you you'll actually come across because she describes everything as a chronic man who had left Greywater Watch and visited the Green Men on the Isle of Faces. Returning home, he stopped at Harrenhal for the Great Tourney. Three squires accosted him and mocked him for his short stature, knocking him to the ground until he was rescued by a she-wolf. A knight was named to the Kingsguard, although his father was absent. During the feast, the wild wolf asked a maid with, a, with laughing purple eyes to dance with his shy brother. A pup offered the Chronicman some armor so that he could take his vengeance on the squires during the tourney, but the little man turned him down. The Chronicman prayed to the old gods, and the next day at the tourney, a mystery knight called the Knight of the Laughing Tree defeated the knights whose squires had wronged the Chronicman. Instead of collecting a ransom from the three defeated knights, the mystery knight asked them to teach their squires honor. The Knight of the Laughing Tree disappeared before he could be unmasked, despite the fury of macaroni salad. <laughs> macaroni salad is delicious. Jimmy's me typing, messing with my summary here. <laughs> despite the fury of the king, who later might have macaroni salad on his brains, uh, right? Because his brains are probably look just like that. Uh, the tourney was won by the Dragon Prince. But Mira ends the story by saying that what happened next is sadder tale is a sadder tale that deserves its own telling. Bran has never heard this story before, 
and both reeds are surprised that Lord Eddard never related it to him. There is a ton uh, in this chapter to go over. Um, I wanted to see if you would continue to read from the teleprompter. I was hoping you would just just yes, roll right through it and just <laughs> no sell it. Oh, just no, no, no sell it. <laughs> well, yeah, we will uh, we'll get to, we will get to the Mad King at this uh, as well. And because some of this is some three eyed Raven stuff that might be, you know, hinting at stuff that Bran does later, including messing with the Mad King. So uh, starting off here, right? No roads ran through the twisted mountain valleys that they walk where they walk now between the gray stone peaks lay still blue lakes long the deep and narrow and the green gloom of endless piney woods. The russet of golden autumn leaves grew less common when they left the wolfswood to climb amongst the old flint hills and vanished by the time those hills had turned to mountains. Giant gray-green sentinels loomed above them now, and spruce and fir and soldier pines in endless profusion. The undergrowth was sparse beneath them, the forest flower carpeted in dark green needles. When they lost their way, as happened once or twice, they need only wait for a clear cold night when the clouds did not intrude and look up in the sky for the ice dragon. The blue star in the dragon's eyes pointed the way north. As Osha told him once, thinking of Osha made Bran wonder where he where she was. He pictured her safe in White Harbor with Rickon and Shaggy Dog eating eels and fish and hot crab pie with Fat Lord Manderly, or maybe they were warming themselves at the last hearth before the Great John's fires. But Bran's life had turned into an endless chilly day, and Bran's life had turned into endless chilly days on Hodor's back, riding his basket up and down the slopes of the mountain. Ice dragon, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm talking kind of about a constellation here, but me and Matt have also referenced the child uh, children's book that George wrote uh, called Ice Dragon, which, by the way, even if you're not a child, I think it's actually a nice little contained story. Uh, and there's even a scene that's actually kind of grim uh, in that book, even yeah. though it's for children. But you know what I, I was thinking about when I read this is like, I know some people have said, oh, is the ice dragon going to show up in, in uh, Song of Ice and Fire? I don't think it'll be that ice dragon, but I do like to imagine that those two stories are in the same universe. Like mm -mm. they're looking at this constellation and maybe one of those planets is where that story took place. And the reason why I feel this way is because George R. R. Martin's sci-fi novels and short stories are all part of a connected universe called the 10, I think it's the 10,000 worlds uh, series. And they're all loosely connected. Like you really don't know that they're connected until he tells you those things. But I almost like to think that a song of ice and fire, Hey, maybe it's, in this universe with ice dragon and the Armageddon rag and, and maybe some of the other stuff that George has worked on. That's kind of adjacent to fantasy. It could actually still be in the same. It could be part of Planetos, which is the world that we yeah. don't know what, what exists outside of Westeros. Essos. you know, we don't yeah. little, a very little bit about it, but um, yeah, you don't know. And sometimes it's actually, uh, you know, when you begin to look at worlds and fantasy universes and things like that, I mean, like you say, like, take like, take like middle earth right you look at all of these things going on you don't know what's 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 being what's influencing things on the other side of the planet and and stuff like that it's you know it's crazy uh you know we don't know we, we don't like we see and then the land of winter kind of extends up and we don't know what's yeah. on where it goes like if it's like our world and you know you have like the north pole and greenland and that's mm -hmm. all up there and it sort of goes up i'll tell you what when i flew over to italy um it's kind of crazy. It was kind of crazy the way we like we flew back because it's just like when you look at maps, you don't really think about it. But 
we flew like you know we don't we didn't fly from portland to london like the long way we flew like this you know like like the mm -hmm. curvature weird just it's kind of weird <laughs> weirded me out because i've never done you know i've never done that before and it's like oh just weird to think about yeah dude yeah, the yeah. World. so like you don't you don't know what's like up and over like as it like it, you know if like the north pole of planetos is in the land of always winter you know what if that extends right over and then you could have the land that the ice dragon story takes place in maybe the ice dragon is a prequel maybe it's a sequel who knows who knows <laughs> it could be it could exist in the same thing you never know and it's just on the other side of the world yeah i i mean i'm still a big believer that an ice dragon could exist at some point uh, mm -hmm. in this. Uh, it, will it tie back to that that children's story? Who who really knows? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I would say the the majority of us would say probably not. Right, but it's still kind of cool to think about. Um, and I, when I saw Ice Dragon with those capital letters, though, I immediately thought of the book, and I'm like, man, maybe I should read that for Christmas. It has a kind of a Christmas feel. It does. We we actually we did a uh, there's a podcast episode on it, and uh, we posted the whole thing to YouTube uh, where we had done it, and that was. That was a lot of fun. I'd be, but I would, I would be down to re to do it again, uh, to go over it again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, okay. So continuing on here. So this chapter is really kind of in, I think it really, it's like, it's in two segments. Yeah. You have all of the stuff that happens before Mira tells her story and then like Mira's story itself. That's right. So, um, I think we'll wait to dive into all the Chronicman stuff and we'll, we'll dive in. We'll kind of do this a little bit chronologically here. So, it's kind of continuing on here, right? And then Bran is talking, they're talking about the mountains, right? And she's saying, you know, I hate these stupid mountains, you know, of yours, Prince Bran. And we're beginning to get a little bit here of like the Bran Mira, like dynamic. You know, dynamic back and forth that I do think is going to play out totally different than in the show. Totally different. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. If actually important in the book. Yeah, I do not think at all that Bran's going to just dismiss Mira and we just never see her again. Like, well, thanks, thanks for the ride. See ya. Yeah, I mean, five star my Uber. Yeah, I could see Mira like dying protecting Bran, and it's like a really sad moment. But I just don't think she's just gonna be like, all right, well, Bran's just yeah. like, all right, well, like peace. Yeah, well, I don't. She so she and and Jojen in, in the show. If you look at it face value, you would say, "Oh, up until that those points later in the series, like, oh, it's really one for one." But I actually don't think it is because they are a vehicle in which to explain a lot of the mysticism and lore in the show. But in the books, they're doing that, and they're doing a lot of heavy thematic lifting. Because in this section, like this very next section, when she's talking about the mountains, it is everything the story is about. It is literally yeah. the entire encapsulated story because basically he says, yesterday you said you love these mountains. And she says, oh, I do. My Lord Father told me about mountains, but I never saw one until now. I love them more than I can say. Bran made a face of her, but you just said you hated them. And she says, why can't it be both? Because they're different, he insisted, like night and day or ice and fire. If ice can burn, said Jojen in his solemn voice, then love and hate can mate. Mountain or marsh, it makes no matter. The land is one. One, his sister agreed, but over wrinkled. And I think that this is everything that, that George R. R. Martin is working on in the series is to show that like you have all these petty disputes and everything, but this existential threat that they think is an existential threat is going to pull everyone together to be one people. And in that moment, I think he might be hinting at what 
the end of this thing is, right? It's about bringing these people together into this common cause. And I wonder, and this is where I get a little nutty. I wonder if that one at the end of the series could include the White Walkers. Because we've speculated that they're a group of, you know, they're actual people. It's like sentient beings. Yes. Yeah. And they have this weird culture and we're at the like coexist. You know, it's almost like an alien invasion if you think about it that way. And maybe this one land that they're referring to, ice and fire, will have to be one. And the end of the story is actually an immigration. That's, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Uh, and also, I will say, I think based on some of the other stories I've read from George R. R. Martin, that that is not that far fetched. Some people might hear that and be like, that's crazy. I don't think it's actually that crazy. And I, I don't know. I just think Mary and Jojen do such a good job uh, of being more than just a lore dump, but that they actually provide a lot of insight to like what the final end game themes will be. Yeah, I know. I agree 100%. And they're going to be way more important. There's some stuff that she says later, too, that we'll dive into when she's telling that story um, that like totally caught me off guard. And I was like, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. But one of the other things you said here, and I actually kind of forgot about this is, and I just want to bring it up is right here when she's saying, um, Oh, I guess uh, let me, uh, hold on. Who is actually saying this here? No, this is, this is Mira who's saying this, right? She's saying, Oh, I do. My Lord father told me about mountains, but I never saw one until now. I love them more than I can say, but brands like, but you just said you hated them. Yeah. So, I just want to point that out because here she says she describes these the stories she's heard about the mountains as her father when later she's specifically describing the story that is pretty much about Helen Reed. She refers to him as the chronic man. Mm -hmm. I just want to like point that out that here she is saying and telling about story, my father, and then later it's going to be the chronic man, which is, you know, sort of like the whole deal about about that. So um it continues on a little bit here and brand talks about some of the things that we'll also play into later where they talk about like the chronic and magic and like the chronic and skills and it's talking about you know she's using her three-pronged frog spear in order to get fish in the streams and it's just talking a little bit about uh you know so there's some world building here talking about how, like the streams and the mountains are there's not as much game to hunt there's not as much food that's around, like basically describing the hardships that they're facing. But what it does is it sets us up for this person that they come across. Yep. And that's where things get really interesting. So go ahead. Yeah. I would say it's almost like the further north you go, the harder it is to live. And it would almost make sense if a, another you know race of beings wanted to move south because they were tired of starving. Could be. It may. Yeah. Who knows? could be so as they're going on then bran this all sort of ha th this next segment here sort of i think actually it happens in sort of like a flashback um because brands there's that stupid thing again what do you for those who are on audio only matt matt again i'm gonna G webcam thing it's the dumbest. It's I hate it's the new Apple OS system. So Once stupid. an episode, it happens, and I love it's it. Every so time. dumb. Anyway, um, so, but this happens in a flashback uh, because Brand's talking about like a few days ago they met somebody. So they're all talking. Does no one live up here? Mira Reed asked as they made their way up. You know the the way 
past winter. Uh, granite up thrust is large as Winterfell. There, uh, there's people. Bran told her the Umbers are mostly east of the King's Road. The the wolves west of the mountain along the Bay of Ice. Harclays back behind us in the hills and knots and littles and norries and even some flints up here in the high places. His father's mother had been a flint of the mountains. Old Nance, old Nan once said that it was her blood in him that made Bran such a fool for climbing. Uh, before his fall she had died years and years before he was born though even before his father had been born so there again uh i just love that it talks about like old nan doing something and then being like god th that story that she was telling me from really long ago to sort of add to more speculation of exactly how old is old nan so then they talk about like wool and they bring up some people, you know, Theo wool uh, buckets. They used to call him. That's their sigil. Three brown buckets on a blue field with a border of white and gray cheeks. Lord wool came to Winterfell once to do his fealty and talk with father. And he had buckets on his shield. He's no true Lord though. Um, they just call him the wool. And then they talk about the littles a little bit here. So they end up running into somebody, uh, because they're talking about these mountain clan and all, all all of these things. So what ends up happening is they end up running into a, a man here. And this person, uh, uh, he offered them oat cakes and blood sausage and a swallow of ale from a skin he carried, but never his name, nor did he ask theirs. Bran figured him for a little. The clasp uh, that fastened his... Uh, his cloak was gold and bronze and wrought in the shape of a pine cone. And the littles bore pine cones on their white half of their green and white shield. Is it far to the wall? Bran asked him as they waited for the rain to stop. Not so far as the raven flies, said the little, if that was who he was. Uh, farther for them lacks as lacks wings. Bran started. I'd bet we'd be there if... We took the King's Road because he and Mira are, have been arguing about whether or not they should take the thing. So going forth, he does refer to him as little, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is. The little took out a knife and whittled a stick. When there was a Stark in Winterfell, a maiden girl could walk the King's Road uh, in her name day gown and still go unmolested. And travelers could find bread and salt and many at inn and hold fast. But the nights are colder now and the doors are closed. The squids are in the Wolfwood. The, there's squids in the wolf's woods and flayed men ride the king's road asking for strangers the reeds exchange a look flayed men the bastard boys i he was dead but now he's not and paying gold and silver for wolf skins a man hears and maybe gold for word of a certain other walking dead he looked at bran when he said that mm. and yeah. So, and then he goes on a little bit more telling about the stuff of the old bear. They didn't come back. Dark wings, dark words, me mother used to say. But when the birds fly silent, seems to think me that's even darker. Uh, he poked at the fire with a stick. It was different when there was a Stark in Winterfell, but the old wolf's dead and the young one's gone south to play the Game of Thrones. And all that's left us is the ghosts. The wolves will come again, said Jojen solemnly. And how would you be knowing, boy? I dreamed it. Some nights I dream me mother. So that's Jojen saying it. So here he is. Um, he said, some nights I dream me mother that I buried nine years past, the man said. But when I wake, she's not coming back to us. There are dreams and dreams, my lord. Hodor said Hodor. Um, so by the way, the Hodor sections, like him just being Hodor, I, it is yeah. so well placed. And like, yeah. it, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so good. 
So then um, they all end up essentially going to sleep. And then when they wake up, he was gone. When they woke the next morning, the fire had gone out and the little was gone. But he'd left a sausage for them and a dozen oat cakes folded up neatly in a green and white cloth. Some of the cakes had pine nuts baked in them and some had blackberries. Bran ate one of each and still did not know which sort he liked best. One day there would be Starks and Winterfell again, he told himself. And then he'd send for the littles and pay them back hundredfold for every nut and berry. Yeah. And House Little is very, very, um, I, I don't want to say loyal, but they know who they would rather be on the side of. Um, these are people who are kind of on their own up there, but they respect the Stark name and they're not going to go for a, a Bolton's. And I just think it's really interesting that George builds out in a very short amount of time, this kind of the, the littles, right? Like just all of them. Little, and we end up L I D D L E. Yeah. Yeah. L I D D L E. And then they are mentioned in a dance of dragons because they end up pairing up with Stannis to fight uh, at Deepwood Mott. And one of the littles are the people who end up apologizing to Asha Greyjoy for cursing at her during the battle. And it's like kind of a humorous scene. Um, yeah. And then apparently uh, it's big, little, middle, little and little, little, which is funny. And supposedly it's a reference to little and Scott, a standard lexic uh, lexicographic work of ancient Greek, which was published in three sizes called the big, little, the middle, little and the little, little. So George is kind of being cheeky here. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this guy is one, it's pretty obvious he knows exactly who Bran Stark is. Oh, it seems, without it a doubt. Seems, without a doubt, he knows exactly who Bran is. And he's warning him. Also, this guy, this is another indication that something's going on with the Boltons because mm -hmm. we still, you know we're reading this with the perspective of people who knows this is a reread. We know what's going to happen. Hold on a second here. Why are the flayed men attack going after the Starks? Yeah. And you could easily just glance <laughs> over that information and be like, all right, is this some dude up in the mountain clan talking like who cares? But like, it's so painfully obvious at this point that the Boltons and the phrase are about to do something diabolical at this point in the book. Yeah. Yeah. He also talks about the squids in the wolf's wood. Which mm -hmm. you, which you're, you should actually tell you, oh, that's like Asha Greyjoy. Yep. Yeah, but again, you would totally glance over it the first time. You're just thinking because you, you, if you're reading this for the first time, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, that's probably like the Greyjoys, because you know, you know, they went and got in the whole deal. So this guy actually drops a ton of information. He knows exactly where the wall is, and he knows that the Lord Commander has yeah. ridden off. <gasps> yeah. And he's just supposed to be in the in the mountain. He's like part of the you know the mountain clan and stuff like that. So that's where some people wonder: is this guy even more than just like a little? So well, there's theories out there, you know, about perhaps like Blood Ravens influencing him ooh, okay. as as you know as almost like a test or something to Bran. Yeah, of like are you going to turn back? Because a lot of this stuff then goes on to talk about like the Green Men and the Green Magic, and you know, brand goes on to talk about there's a, there's a line later when they get to that story and Mira says something or Mira says something about like, well, some nights are the monsters and things like that hmm. too. Well, I think another thing we can take kind of a context clue from is later in this book, uh, Maester Aemon sends ravens to most of the noble houses from the Norse asking for help. Um, when the wildlings are at castle black and 
one of those families is the Littles. So I think it might be likely that Eamon has been in contact with the Littles probably consistently, consistently with the birds. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where he's getting his information from. Now, the the one weird thing is the Bolton stuff, because that's not something Eamon should have any idea about, to be honest with you, unless if he's talking to like Manderly. But we know I don't think we ever even get an inkling of that communication. So it that could explain the, uh, you know, the old bear riding out. But it's still Eamon communicating to him still would not really explain him knowing so much about the Boltons and the squids. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like it, there are some people that speculate from what I've uh, seen online and stuff like that, that we know that some of the littles end up going and joining Stannis later. Yeah. Yeah. They join, And some and some people think that we may actually see like this guy because we don't ever get his name. And he's just one of these littles we see. Um and then there's another person later that John and Agret like run into when they're on their like way, you know, before John leaves her and stuff like that. And they think, oh, maybe that was him, too. But uh, we don't know. So this is kind of like a mist, perhaps a mystery character that maybe he's just meant to be a small folk person. And it's just the way that George does it, where sometimes we run into like innkeepers, you know, the innkeeper's mm -hmm. wife or whatever. Other people speculate. No, maybe this guy is a little more important than we think because he gives them shelter and supplies after they've been struggling for days. And was it perhaps influenced by a deeper, right. darker, three-eyed power that could have like been like, okay, you you need another helping hand to ensure that they get to the wall. It would also play into the fact that the further north you move, the more magic there seems to be. Like the closer you end up getting up there, the more like reality changes almost. So it kind of plays into that piece of world building as well. So I kind of like this. And this is also one of the things that I just like love about the, these books and George R. R. Martin's writing is that, you know, I've read a lot of other series that have like innkeepers and stuff and like usually or, you know, not even just innkeepers, but like random side characters that are truly just side characters. And you can almost always tell if there's something up with them. Like for I'm thinking of the innkeepers in Wheel of Time, like right. you immediately yeah. know when one's going to be like off. Right. Yeah. And this, I think little just kind of comes in very distinct and then walks away. And like, you never get the obvious, like wink, like, Hey, you really right. have to sit here and, and listen to what he's saying and really right. listen to him. Uh, and, whenever he does lines of dialogue. And this is another character that sometimes I think about the idea of is it one of the things I, I talked about that I thought could was going to happen but all the way back in season eight was I thought, you know, when we were all speculating and I think something like this could still happen in the books. I thought for a long time, what would happen was Bran would do some sort of like wipe, like a time mm -hmm. wipe thing. Like I really thought in season eight, I was like the moment when John decided to tell them all about Daenerys, like about his, his birth, even when Daenerys specifically said, don't tell me. Right. Yeah. Don't tell them. I kind of thought what was going to happen was like the Night King is going up to Bran and like it's like, uh oh, this ain't going to work. And Bran like goes back in time and like, nope, this is the moment I have to fix in order to like fix everything so we could beat the Night King. Obviously it didn't go that direction. But, you know, in theory, something like that could still happen. Mm -hmm. So is this is this somebody that Bran in theory is like in the future, like future brand is going being like, all right, I need to fix these moments. And like, this guy could be one of them. Cause he specifically like 
gives them food and shelter. And by doing so, Bran this entire time is saying, God, it'd be quicker if we took the King's Road. It'd be quicker if we took the King's Road. Shoot, yeah. There's a version where Bran probably, if you, you know, multiverses and all that stuff and different timelines is all the rage right now. So, you know, if all it that was overdone if, back then, <laughs> it wasn't as over. Yeah, exactly. Back then it wasn't, it was it, oh, stupid thing. Back then it was way less. Uh, it was, I'm fixing that next time. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, as overdone, like we said. So it could be a case where brand like specifically gives them food and stuff that keeps them on the path they're going, which isn't to go to the Kings. Road. And you know, not to mention the fact that, you know, he ends up running into Sam. I mean, th there are, there are definitely moments where like, you feel like this journey could really he, go off the rails and then he just, doesn't call out to John. It's yeah. It's a slight nudge. Right. And and yeah. that's the big thing is that even when brand is interacting with the past, because it's not like this, you know, you know it's not like some crazy thing where he can just like literally change everything it's nudges and even those nudges are fantastical whenever we hear the three-eyed raven or, or blood raven talk about these things like oh you can't interact with the past you can't do these things yeah. so even the the whispering is, is massive and has it's the butterfly effect right um yeah. there's also i think it's called the bootstrap theory or bootstrap something. theory yeah yeah, yeah. Like, same yeah. thing yeah right? They're a little different. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of different. So like butterfly effect is if you go back in time and you influence something like even the smallest thing, like it could cause a cataclysmic shift in a, in a direction mm -hmm. bootstrap theory to what I believe is um, actually a great example of it is like the legend of Zelda uh, Ocarina of time. Uh, okay. So in the, in the legend of Zelda Ocarina of time, link learns the Spoiler. song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Link <laughs> learns the song of storms right uh which is like probably the most famous song from that game and you know it's uh the one that involves the windmill but part of the problem is like link doesn't learn it you know it's like the way it works it's like old like link learns it and then he goes back and he he hears the person playing it and then learns it and then goes back in time and plays it so the person hears it and it's like well how did that person hear it in the first place yeah you have a paradox there Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what booster the bootstrap. Yeah, I got you. OK, yeah. yeah. So so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like a whisper more of the butterfly effect that, that can do these things. But I guess what we're talking about with, you know, the fact that maybe he had to send this guy back because he would have died. But if he would have died, he could have never sent it. That is bootstrap. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the thing with with Bran. And it, there could be a lot of other characters that in theory brand future brand is influencing but i think it's brand seems the most obvious for him to go back and influence his own events because he has so many moments that are like like to the wire type of a of a thing right yeah, i mean yeah. like when he doesn't call out to john like what happens if he does i mean that like mm -hmm. when john is over there i mean it's such a big deal I, here's my uh, biggest edge case theory with this, all this brand timeline stuff. And it's actually something really stupid. And it's in this chapter. He talks about um, old Nan telling the same stories, right? Old Nan would tell the same story she told before, but we never minded. You have to visit them. Uh, a good story is like uh, old friends. She used to say you have to visit them from time to time. And it got me thinking about like old Nan's stories and how important they are to Bran. And we're seeing how important they are whenever he's listening to Mira and he's like kind of digesting the story through what he knows. And he's actually editing her story like, oh, you should have had this in and this, not realizing that she's telling him the truth, right? But what if 
you know, those stories about white walkers and, and giants and stuff that Bran talks about, like, what if he had influenced somehow old man to tell those stories to him that therefore opening him up to the idea of oh. mysticism and fantastical elements. Now you do get into the bootstrap issue there because it's like, well, if, if she didn't say it and changed it, then how did he go back and do that? But I don't know. There's something about old man's reoccurrence in this chapter specifically that I'm just like, man, I feel like old man. Uh, I'm not saying she's going to save the world or anything, but she's definitely very significant. And for at least uh, Brand's character arc, she has influenced him greatly. Uh, honestly, he talks more about old man than he does his mom. Yeah. And they talk about if is old Nan still alive? Cause we don't know. We yeah. Have no idea. Do you think Theon done it? And remember uh, Mira ends up saying in this chapter, she's like, Oh no, 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 no. Like there were also Iron Man dead too. And she's kind of alluding to the fact that there was another player there, AKA the Boltons. And it's, well, the Bolton definitely, definitely would have killed her. Yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, he, I mean, he didn't just kill every single person there, but I mean, rub him the wrong way. And yeah, he's going to kill her. What if the ghost of oh my god, what if the ghost of Winterfell is old Nan? The one that wow. whispers to Theon. People always want to know who it is, and people think it's like Theon whispering to himself. But there's been other theories about who the ghost is. Whenever Theon's becoming right. Theon again, dude, right? What if it's old Nan? Could be. And we it's just we just presume because Theon's like so he's like in his own head. Well, that's gonna be a fun chapter to explore. I mean, we're three years when we oh, get there, yeah. Yeah, we're a ways away from that one, but we'll we we that's we, like we, end of dance to the dance Yeah, we'll we'll get there. So. We'll save it for that episode. <laughs> but on that, I mean, of course, we could always do a special episode or, or something or Patreon. Um, but on that, we do dive into Hodor a little bit here too. Mm -hmm. Um and but I mean, before that, God, there's so there's so much. So um, after the after the guy leaves, uh, this says the trail they followed was a little easier that day. And and by noon, the sun came breaking through the clouds. Bran sat in his basket up on Hodor's, you know, Hodor and felt almost content. Um, so they say, look, she said, pointing at the sky with her frog spear, an eagle. Uh, and then Bran looks and he thinks about flying. Right. So now he's on this path again. So now, so the path was hard before and the path was hard. How was, how was the path, you know, the path they were on that was hard and they were thinking, uh Oh, maybe we should just go on the King's road. It's easier. And if we go on the King's road, what happens is being a Stark actually is the thing that could cause yeah. us trouble. But now we've met, now we've met this guy who gives us some food. Oh, and the path's easier. Oh, and look, an eagle that's flying. You know what? Flying is is better than climbing, right? And I should be able to do it. The green seers could do it. I should be able to do it too. And he tried and tried until the eagle vanished. It's gone. You know, we'll see others, said Mira. They live up here, I suppose. Hodor. Then, Hodor. yeah, I know that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hodor likes it when you say his name, I think. Hodor's not his true name, Bran explained. It's just some of the old words he said. His real name is Walder, old Nan told me. Um, and then they talk about, then they, then they go into that too. Which is also our first clue that like, okay, well, he's saying Hodor, but that's not even his name. So why is he saying Hodor? Which eventually, you know, in Winds of Winter, we will find it to mean hold the door. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we get into the the next moment where once they talk about that, they talk about, do you know, stories? And the so we could we could die. We could dive into that or we could save it for a part two. Jimmy, I'll I'll, I'll leave it up to you. 
Well, honestly, I think it might be a good idea to to really go in to the details on Night of the Laughing Tree. I don't think it's a, a problem to make this two part episode because I think if we yeah. really do it the way we should, I think it'll yeah. take 30, 45 minutes to an hour to go through the Night of the Laughing Tree. But the one thing I will say is, is that uh, obviously this chapter goes on to tell that story and talk about Lyanna Stark and how she is, in my opinion, she's a Night of the Laughing Tree, in my opinion. So it's just an interesting parallel that Bran is having to hide his identity on this way and stay off the King's road and not be a Stark. And then Lyanna Stark had to not be a Stark to do what she wanted to do, which was compete in the tournament and stand up for her friend. You know, it's just like a really interesting parallel of like hidden identities, which God, there's so many. <laughs> in well, this. and, and, and think about this too, di because in the story, uh, Mira refers to Mira refers to this story as, and I and I, I'm down. Yeah, we sh I, we we should do, we'll do the second block of this as a second. And it's Thanksgiving next week, so it'll be kind yeah. of a, a good good fun one for for the holiday. So, you know, the she calls him the Chronic Man. Is it because she know she knows it and she's trying to not say my father as Helen Reed? Like, there's kind of a hidden identity I, there too as well. I have there is absolutely influence there. So first off, we have to realize that we're being told this chapter through Bran's perspective. And that's a really important piece of information to have, because I think there are things that Jojen and Mira know that they have not told us because they haven't told Bran and they're not. They know they're not supposed to. And yeah. I think that is why. She refers to her father as the chron uh, chronic man. But also, I think it's possible that maybe when you go to the Isle of Faces, you don't come back the same. Yeah. And that that's a whole nother thing. Like next episode, we'll really be going about the Night of Lavatory, but also going into the Isle of Faces and what it could mean. And, and of course, we're going to speculate on what we think, you know, Helen reads up to right now because he's alive in the story, by the way. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Just completely forgotten by the show. But in the books, it's significant. It is mentioned multiple times. Uh, there's, of course, the Howland is the uh, High Sparrow theory, which doesn't really hold up when you put it under scrutiny, in my opinion. But um, I think that they are with I think they're trying to push Bran in a direction and see if he can put the pieces together, seeing if Eddard had, in fact, told him these stories, um, which I have theories about why he has never told his children the story. But uh, we will save that for when we go over uh, the Night of Lavender, the Tourney at Hall, which is uh, in some ways the key to the whole series. Uh, I will also say that supposedly there's going to be a Broadway uh, play written by George that will go, go over actually what happened at the Tourney of Hall. And me and Matt have already said we will be first in line. Oh, we'll, we'll be going 100, 100%. Yeah. And, um, we, I maybe we may be back later this week because we don't know. There's both there the trailer for season two is supposed to get teased at any moment now. Apparently, the insiders have seen it for House of the Dragon. I'm telling you, man. Thinking about this, uh, obviously we're excited for season two of House of the Dragon. But the fact of the matter is, we're gonna have <laughs> this summer on Bend the Knee. We are gonna give you all the coverage for House of the Dragon <laughs> season two. But and then as soon as we catch our breath and we go into the fall and we do the holidays this time next year, we're going to be getting a trailer for Dunk and Egg, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And then it's probably going to be on in January, Matt. Yeah. Every six to months, go, we're going to have a Song of Ice and Fire show. Well, probably more like nine months yeah. to yeah. go to go right along with Jimmy's Doomsday Counter, who said November. 
2024. Listen, if 2024 is <laughs> if 2024 is the debut of Duncan Egg and wins a winter, like that's it. Like we'll never get that peak ever again. Like that will be the end of the. You know what's crazy? Sorry, I'm gonna go off a little bit of a speculation. No, no you're fine here. Yeah. What if wins comes out and it is insane? Like which we we already figure it will be, and there will be points of the show in the books. We know that, but. We already knew just baseline that th there were a lot of things that were going to be different and there were some things that were going to be the same. But since then, George has talked about, you know, hey, I'm starting to figure out that a lot of things are going to be different. So he is changing things. What if when's the winter drops 2024, 2025, 2026, and it is this massive thing. It lights the Internet on fire and HBO goes, shit, we got to tell that story now. I, I, so I've been thinking a lot about, I've been thinking a lot about this. Here's what I think legitimate here. I this is what I would say right now. If that happened, um, right now, Warner brothers is shopping their own intellectual properties out to other, especially like animation and stuff like that. They're shopping their own intellectual properties out to other companies mm -hmm. to say, Hey, if you, if you want to do something. So, you know, a, a while back they did that Batgirl movie. Yeah. And when they merge, it, it, the way it works is you can actually like scratch it and takes it as a tax write off, but you can like never show it. Um, they actually just did a, and I guess it's like almost done or something, a Wiley e. Coyote, like, you know, animated movie, um, Looney Tunes. And they're not going to release it themselves and they're shopping it around for distribution. They did it. There was a Batman thing that they shopped and Netflix picked up. So like they're not even doing their own like in house animation on that. What I hope for, because I think this, because I think it's going to be a long time before we see a Game of Thrones. A live remake. action remake. Live action, or live action remake. Long time. Long, long time. What I think is most likely is, and I would love it, is I would love for Netflix, because they're really good at it, to say, hey, we want to do an animation, whether it's like an anime, like the, like the way they did the Witcher one, mm -hmm. like an anime style adaptation of Game of Thrones. I think it would be super cool. I think you could do like anime seasons are totally different than, you know, everything else. Yeah. Cause they're sometimes they're like 80 episodes of season one, like the way they number stuff. So totally weird. Um, I think it'd be the best way to do it. Yeah. If you want a good example of, of what somebody can do with animation and be a very serious and adult show, you should watch Castlevania on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It is fun. Yep. It is phenomenal. So good. The score is phenomenal. The voice acting is phenomenal. The animation feels very adult and mature. It does not feel like you're watching a kid's cartoon and just like, you know, sitting next to a teenager. I mean, it feels like a very serious show. Um, animation nope. has a lot of stigma attached to it, but that is slowly starting to peel away. Um, most likely because of the millennial generation growing up with it. Um, but I think you're right. I think if we got a retail, I'm just, I'm just wondering like the winds of winter could change so many plot threads that to where it's like the studio just looks at it's like, how do we not capitalize on this? Like this is new material from George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they wrote a history book and they made a television show out of it. If he gives us winds of winter and it does diverge a lot, which it will like, how do you look at that as a company that wants to make hand over fist and you look at your most successful adventure of all time and say, well, we're just not going to do that. Like, I just don't yeah, I mean, it. it's it's pretty it's like movies are different because it's much easier to like reboot something with a movie. I mean, look at Spider-Man, Spider-Man's 
been like rebooted like three times in the past 20 years, you know, 20 years. It's easier with movies. It's a lot harder with TV because TV, you like you have to you're you're setting up like we're going to be doing this for like a decade. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's hard. I think it'll be minimum and I mean minimum 20 years before we would see like another live action television show. But it's, yeah, because it's also not like Game of Thrones was bad. Like it's one thing. If, it's one thing if you try it and it flops and somebody else is like, OK, we yeah. can do it better. We can correct. do it better. Right. Yeah. Like we we can we can take that property and we can do a better like, you know, I mean, even something like Battlestar Galactica, for example. I mean, I yeah. I, I did. I haven't watched either, but I know that there was an original version and it was not good. And then they said, you know what, we're going to redo it. And it was like much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people really seemed to seem to like that. But it's it's hard. It's really hard to think of, of a, something that like came out and even did like, OK. And they said, all right, we're going to reboot that like entire TV show within a couple of years. I mean, it's going to be well, because Game of Thrones still kills it in streaming. Numbers. Well, and, and that's what I was about to say. And that's the problem, right, is that. Listen, most adaptations suck. That's the yeah. truth. Game of Thrones, we know, we know seven and season seven, eight weren't good. We know we're aware. But for a decade, they killed casting, costuming, set, the score. They, they killed literally everything. And the risk you run if you were to try to redo it, especially so soon, is that you could you could mess all of that up. And honestly, are we do we really want to see? a Jon Snow that looks different or a Daenerys that looks different. Yeah. No, that is the canon. That's what I'm saying. It probably take two decades, but I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know how Warner brothers has to look if this book were to come out and it's a, I mean, it's going to be a mega hit, but like, it's just so different and it's getting trending worldwide. I just don't see how they don't like do something right. Like so they adapt a season nine for it. Oh my! I mean, yeah, but there's so many plot points that, like, you know what I mean. I and maybe they don't do anything. Maybe well, I'm wrong. I don't and, know. Warner, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers did the Deadwood movie. HBO did the Deadwood movie. Well, I'm wondering about movies. That that that's kind of where I'm. Yeah. I'm kind of pushing towards. It's like, could you do an alternate movie? I don't know. I don't know that you do an. I don't know that you do an alternate movie like the Halloween franchise. From what I told, is like one of those where it's almost like a choose your own adventure thing at this Bro, point because they they've. Yeah, like that, and yeah. Okay. Um, the stakes are very low in Halloween, the, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you do something. I don't know if you do something like that, but um, that's kind of the thing with snow too. Is like, ooh, you know, if snow comes out. Does it? It has to fall. That's right. Does it, it, does it follow it, the the canon path it, of the show? It has to. Right. And so that would what, so what would actually be what would actually be great is if winds comes out and then snow sort of like incorporates some of that and gets it going back in like the right direction to kind of take some yeah. of the elements and and bring it back it, i will it, say it, this i will say this real quick about game of thrones is um actually somebody posted this in the game of thrones subreddit the other day and the way you experience shows i think sometimes influences how you feel that. about them and we were all there and we were all there for the hype of this is the biggest show in the history of television and we had to wait remember like it was a long time between seasons seven and eight because they had to like film these massive things and they had to wait for it to get cold you know like that was part of the thing was a schedule like well we can't film in the summer we need to film in the winter and all of this stuff but um some of the, I saw this big article on the game of Thrones right at the other day where somebody was saying, Hey, I just watched it for the first time. And I like, I binged it. And they're like, I didn't feel like it was as bad. And a lot of the subsequent comments were like, yeah, I think like people who binge it 
Like oh, you don't, you don't. Yeah. And that's going to be the way that everyone experiences it going forward is people are going to click. All right. I'm going to watch like th the way I watched the Sopranos for the first time. I wasn't, you know, like the ending for me, I was like, Oh, that's a, you know, okay, cool. That like, that's the ending is what it is, but I wasn't there for like the, everyone sitting there. And, but you know, the internet, there are so as many things like this, dude. Like that's yeah. why I, I always have said controversial endings usually age better. I'm not going to say all oh, perfect, but they age better because of the way that they are consumed and also the way people talk about it or, or don't talk about it. Dark Tower by Stephen King is another example of this. There was long, long periods. I mean, we're talking winds of winter weights between some of the books and people would get a book and they'd be like, this is trash. You know what I mean? Like they, but then if you binge it, I mean, it's still pretty wild and out there and it's very experimental, but it, to me, I had a good time with it. But when I talk to people who don't like it, almost always, they are people who are waiting for it to come out. And then when they explain to me, I go, Oh yeah, I'd have been pissed if I got song of Susanna yeah. book six and it was 180 pages and it was honestly not very good. Like I would have been furious, but to me, it was just a bridge to get to the final book. So I didn't really care. So I, I've always said that about endings and the Sopranos is another great example. I mean, there were people calling HBO wanting refunds and then it turns out that now it's ranked one of my, the best endings. Like people users yeah. rate that that way. So and I liked it. Listen, yeah. there are problems with seven and eight, like just continuity problems. There's character problems and the show went in a different direction. But I do believe that. I mean, even now the show is aged pretty well like i know everyone said look it fell out of favor in public in public discourse or popular discourse or whatever but that's not true it's still one of the top streaming shows every single year uh and it will continue to be probably for the rest of our lives um listen. so is the, so is the sopranos though oh yeah so and that's is, what i'm saying so great is, shows so is, will last so is breaking bad you yeah know what great I mean? shows like, will yeah. last for sure i I will say this. I'm just pondering these questions about wins of winter, but to be honest with you, I don't really care. I want the book like, cause I'm a book first guy. I just want, the, I just want the book, but it just makes me wonder, you know, looking at opportunity in these greedy studios. Like there's no way someone isn't like, I want to tell that, that, that book, that book needs to be on screen, but how you do that is almost, it's almost insurmountable as a challenge, unless if you did animation. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Who we'll see. We'll see if they end up doing something. I mean, Warner Brothers is the same studio that did the Zack Snyder cut where they said, okay, hey, you we're gonna let you redo crazier things have happened. Shoots. Yeah. So I mean it, it like well, I guess what I'm saying is like it has happened. Yes. Like there it has legitimately happened, and the studio that has a, has allowed people to kind of go back and finish their stories is is Warner Brothers, for better or for worse. You know, I mean. Yeah, so, and Ryan Condell's young, so he'll be around a long time. So maybe maybe his capstone will be the remake in 20, 30 years, and me and you will be in our old folks' home covering it on our, you know, hand computer. I mean, at that point, we we're going to have, like, computers coming out of our hands, right, like holographics. And yeah. into our, it'll be a neural link all in our brain. Yeah, I hope. Just give me real I mean, unless, unless global warming has flooded the earth. and Well, that'll probably happen. White walkers <laughs> will be a real thing because it'll be people... People coming from uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know where. I don't Antarctica, know. Whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just things to think about. I think uh, it's going to be an exciting time, though, here on the podcast for the next foreseeable future with three or four seasons of uh, House of the Dragon yeah. combined with three, maybe four seasons of Dunkin' Egg. This could be very interesting. 
And I would not count out the idea. I did see something the other day uh, because Hogwarts Legacy just came out on Switch. Um, and it's the fact that mm. it runs. The fact that it runs on that is insane. Uh, but yeah, one of the things Warner Brothers has been, uh, they said too, I was like, I think an IGN article I was reading talking about, they're like, yeah, we have to like make a lot, we want a lot more of our big franchises to have video games. And I mean, Warner Brothers actually, they make, to be honest, they make like really good. They're wow. real, they're actually like the, all the Arkham games are great. The Hogwarts Legacy, from everything I've heard, is great. Just give me a um, from soft game of thrones and i'll lose seriously i will literally seriously. never do you'll never see me again it'll be i want i want an L, i want a i oh, want sorry. what skyrim was supposed to be and um, yeah we would never get, see it if bethesda, bethesda, bethesda never, from then <laughs> i'll take it i don't want bethesda now we'd we'd never see it it would take i mean how is that how is the, i mean uh, the lord of the rings games do kind of suck but um and and we'll we'll wrap this up here we'll wrap this up here but how is there not a game of thrones it's a bag video fumble, video game that's it's like fumble. so good i mean that property's just sitting there how is in the in the world of like people trying to create sequels and all this how has nobody just gone in and be like oh i want to make a game of thrones game truthfully it's probably because the demographic is probably a little bit older than what most gamers are that's my guess yeah but i feel like you could still just do it and as long as you make a good game it's a good game oh i i agree but I'm just saying that might be one of the reasons why. And also, you know, it was a lot of more of like the general audience doing it, not so much gamers. And they did do all those Facebook games and mobile games that I know sucked, but they cleaned yeah. house. You know, they cleaned. Yeah. House. Even uh, if they did something like Shadow of Mordor, like the Shadow of Mordor game, which is like, hey, we're going to make our own little like pocket in the universe. And it's, it doesn't have to. It's like kind of connected, but it's something you could totally. I mean, even that. if they brought back the Telltale game and finished it, I'd be mm -hmm. happy. Yeah. possible they're back that studio is back we'll see i doubt it <sighs> we'll see and hey we will be back next week and we'll finish up this chapter and really it's going to be just a deep dive into the chronic men story and the night of the laughing tree turning at heron hall uh episode for thanksgiving so with that guys as always we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones we will see you next week and remember that winter is coming